fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in. Deep. Chips it ahead. Matthews up to net. There it is. There it is. Center Gibson got a stick on that. Kulak cross ice. What time to And there's 50. He's got it. You know, get pucks deep, bring the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out. Getting pucks deep. Pucks in deep. Pucks in deep. Puck deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Mike Ross here, public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're listening to the Pucks in Deep Podcast with Adam Lesko and Josh Coleman. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Pucks in Deep Podcast, episode 97. Say it, Lesko. See you, McD. You waited all this time, and you didn't go with Kirill the Thrill. Nah, I should have. I know. <laughs> I told you to come prepared. Well. Episode I, 97. There are other things I've prepared Pucks for. Pucks and Podcast. I didn't do my numerology before this one. <laughs> I, was, I was doing other things. I was always excited to not, you know throw any shade on, on Connor McDavid. I mean, I feel like, like you said, he seems, he's the obvious choice. Episode 97, Connor McDavid. We only have two more opportunities to play this game, and I, I wish I could go back in time and start doing that from episode one right. all the way through. I don't even know when I started doing it. It was just an on-the-fly kind of thing, but I was always planning on going with Jeremy Roenick. Ah. Yeah. I, I just I love JR and uh, what he brought to the table. I didn't really get a chance to appreciate JR playing in the National Hockey League for like the years where I think I would have really appreciated him. Like I was a little too young maybe back then. Right. But um, yeah, uh, JR was going to be my go to. And I was really looking forward to you. Being able to to get it to Kirill Kaprizov and be you right wanted, and be right this time when I say it. <laughs> you wanted to give it to him last episode, which oh. I mean actually seems like forever ago. Welcome back, my friend. Welcome back, Adam Lesko across the bar from me here, Josh Coleman. You can follow us on Twitter at Coleman forty two at Lesko Adam. And it's been a minute, Lesko. How you been, man? Oh, good. Just got back from sunny Jamaica, man. Oh, Jamaica, man. Uh, yeah, there Obvious. for a week. Um, still a little uh, off, I guess, just from. I had a long travel day on Saturday. I didn't get home till like two thirty, so well uh groggy we'll say. Yeah, but okay. uh I don't know, it was a great time, man. I mean you can't beat the weather down there and uh I mean there's cold drinks, hot sun. Yeah. What else do you want? I know. From yeah. the pictures you were sending it looked like a pretty damn good time, man. And it's funny 'cause I, I knew you were away. So I knew that we wouldn't be getting back together for basically right up until the time where where we had planned to bring our big guest on and we never really got a, we never really got like a show ahead of like our a hype show yeah a hype <laughs> show um, but we kind of teased it a little bit and as you guys can tell by by the title of the episode or or I should say the hopeful title of the episode we got we got James Duffy 
coming on the show, Lesko. So I messaged you this afternoon to say, I'm pumped for the show and here's what's going down and you better bring your goddamn attitude <laughs> to the garage because <laughs> we're having a hell of a time because I knew you would travel and I said, you know what, this guy's got to get fired up for the show, but I don't think it takes any more than having arguably the, you know, the, the most iconic television sports uh, personality in, in Canada. You've got what, Ron McLean, James Duffy? Those two guys kind of take the torches. It's up there on top of the mountain, I think, for a lot of us and obviously someone we've been watching for so many years. And, yeah, we've been excited about this one for a while. Um, you know, thankfully, we have had ample time to prepare, so we think we're going to be able to put together a real nice uh, interview for you guys. And, uh, of course, he is actually going to be calling in from Augusta National. From the ground. So there we'll be uh, trying to figure out what's going on uh, with the Tiger Watch. I'm sure he's sniffing around the course trying to – find out what we're all trying to find out right now and that's whether playing? the big boy's playing or not is the goat in the tournament or not dude like he has to be playing man i would think so he's walking around there like he's strutting all over augusta national like he owns the place because he does let's yeah. be honest but like he's just he's walking around he's got i don't know if you follow the pictures like dude i'm eating this up you yeah. know i'm a big Tiger i would think he boy. would know by now and he's there because he's like he's in He's in, and this is all hype buildup, but uh, we'll we'll talk to Duthie about that, and we'll see if he uh, has some answers for us, well, because, uh, man, I, I know that's the number one question. All the coverage you hear right now is, is he, is he, is he, and, you know, maybe steal some thunders away from the other guys, but you have to think that whether or not we knew he was playing or not, all the eyes are going to be on Tiger simply because it would be another crazy Tiger story, and the buildup to this, and, you know, even if you would ask, I think either of us or anyone who kind of watches the sports, I don't know, four or six months ago, you probably would have said probably not. For sure. But, you I know, didn't. thinking the way he is and, and the way the Masters is, if there was a time, you would think he had circled that tourney on his calendar. Oh, for sure. As soon as he decided, yeah, I'm making a comeback whenever that was. 100%. You know, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up the term like going against other guys or I think you said stealing the spotlight from, from other guys, right? Because of all the hoopla. But there, there actually is a monetary value and a reason for taking the spotlight away from your fellow competitors. And Correct. it's the recently implemented player impact program commonly referred to as the PIP. Mm -hmm. Phil Mickelson last year preemptively announced that he had won the PIP and then, oh, wait, last second flurry of votes. Turns out Tiger won the pip somehow. Right. And he didn't even play. Yeah. But he's still an active member of the PGA Tour. And, and he had the most social media engagements for those listeners that are tuned in here to the Pucks and D podcast. Yeah, we're talking about golf. Okay, it's Masters Week. But anyways, <laughs> what that means is basically you get the most social media engagements through your profile or whatever. You win the pip. I don't know how it's calculated, but that's the gist of the matter. Tiger won it last year after some controversy with Phil. Then Tiger had a slam dunk on Phil where he retweeted Phil's announcement that he had won the pick. Right, right. Oops, my bad or whatever. <laughs> so I just think that that's something that maybe that, like Tiger may thrive on that. You know, oh, I love the fact that I was able to steal it away from Phil last year. And, and now this year, all of a sudden, well, how are we going to win the 2022 pip? How about take a fucking week to announce whether we're playing at Augusta or not? How about go down there and have practice rounds with JT and my kid, Charlie, and, and, and Freddie Couples. We're going to walk around. I got the caddy coming in. I'm simulating a full tournament round of golf, and then I'm in the hot tub afterwards smiling like a butcher's dog. I mean, this guy is obviously playing, and he's obviously doing it to, to win the pip. 
Yeah, and I, you know, like you said, he won it without playing, but, uh, you know, the, the better he does, if I understand how it works correctly, uh, the more money that ends up going into there, right? So it'll be it'll be super interesting, exciting week. Um, I know I watched a shit ton of the golf last time, uh, last year, so I'm looking forward to tuning in again. Um, it also means spring is here, and, I mean, that's, that's why you and I have been on vacation and busy and all this shit because as homeowners, you know what it's like, right? Oh, we got his bullshit to do and not always time to dial in the swing right yeah absolutely that's, uh, how, that's how we'll dial in we'll just watch golf and then uh, get inspired although i did get to get a nice round in in daytona oh yeah, yeah. of course yeah, yeah, i figured great, you'd man. be hitting a few down there yeah my buddy actually so i rented i have two units in the same week um this was the first time that i had them it was basically just kind of gifted to to me through one of another family that was always going there mm-hmm. every year same same unit same timeshare um, so I got another room. It's like a, a better room. But anyway, long story short, I, I rented the other room to my buddy's parents who'd never been. And um, they gifted it to them, I think, for an anniversary or something. And, and they were down there. So he, he ends up flying down Friday to golf with me Saturday and kind of spend a little time with his parents. Um, they are from like very, uh, very French Quebec, like a very, oh, Fr- yeah. yeah, very French Quebec. Like they do. Okay. They can do fine. Uh, but they're not going to have, you know, they're not gonna have a podcast in English. I'll tell <laughs> right. you that much. Um, but anyway, so he was there, uh, he flew down, he got like some pretty cheap flights to go there and back and, and hook them up and get them all sorted out with rentals and stuff like that. Um, cause obviously no one in Daytona beach is going to be speaking French. Let's go. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's English or Spanish, uh, or sorry, English or Mexican. Or is Mexican Spanish? Spanish. Yeah. Spanish. Oh my God. You know what's funny? I <laughs> you had it right the first time. I know, but you know what though? The the reason why I second guessed myself there, not to go too far off topic or anything, but I think it was because I was watching an episode of The Office, <laughs> and someone made that exact joke. Like, what would you say if you said it in Mexican? Right. And Oscar was like, "You mean Spanish?" <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so that kind of threw me. You for just a went loop. through that in your head. Yeah, I did. Honestly, I did go through that in my head. Anyways, and I don't. Did you catch any hockey while you're down there? Yeah, I. I did. I actually watched the uh, almost the entire New Jersey game. The okay, Le- the Leafs yep. in, in New Jersey. Um, it was. I thought it was a great game. Uh, yeah. That that one particular game, I can't throw back to it too 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 well. Mm. I know obviously New Jersey is like a bottom feeder, and we should be beating them up no problem. But again, one of those scenarios where I felt like a bottom feeder team brought their A plus game to yep. play the Toronto Maple Leafs. And call it an excuse if you want to. I'm not even using it as an excuse because there is no excuse for losing to teams that you should absolutely beat. Yeah, okay? and that seemed There's to be no it. reason for that. But the fact of the matter is, lesser teams come to Toronto or even when we go there because we travel so well, Like it's, it's a reason for that team to have something to, to play for. <laughs> it always seems to be that everyone wants to beat the Leafs. And, uh, nothing better beating the Leafs. Nothing hey, better, that's right. Um, <laughs> It was interesting, and, and, and you know, I, I was kind of hot there a, a couple of weeks ago, and this is when the goaltending was floundering. Mrazek got hurt again. Uh, Matthews got suspended. Like, I was I was really hoping we could get Jam a show in there before he left, and unfortunately we weren't able to, but um, I'm, I'm definitely feeling a lot better right now than I was, say, three weeks ago. But why? And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. <laughs> so it's because... I fully accepted that we're playing Tampa or Florida in the playoffs. Fine. Well, yeah, that's, we've known that for a Don't long time. Don't care. Um, the other thing is I've been like somewhat inspired by, the, by their play. I mean, they have 
taken an awful situation with the goaltending. I think in terms of like the top 10 teams in the NHL right now, they have by far the worst uh, save percentage in the last month or so. Um, team save percentage being a bit higher. Um, you know, Mrazek, I was ready to, to blast that guy off into space. And I, I was glad that he did, you know, they basically said, you know what, this is it. And it probably wasn't it, but I wanted it to be. Yeah. But, you know, they, they got him in the net. He played okay until he tweaked his groin again. Uh, Shalgren's been good for them. Shalgren has been good. And now Campbell's come back and is looking, you know, I know it's early, knock on wood here, but he's been looking fairly solid. Yeah, see, and I missed that Philly game in its entirety. Right. And um, it wasn't a great game. I was watching the airport on Saturday. They didn't, and Sheldon called them out for it too. He didn't think they were awesome. But I think Jack, though, that's all I care yeah, about. Yeah, Jack was as solid as he had to be. He made a couple of really nice saves, especially early on, which is what you want in those road games. Okay. Um, so I'm feeling a bit better. Uh, Mark Giordano, I mean, slid in, no problem, has been fantastic. Adds a ton of stability. Stability, and that's I good. like Labushkin more and more every damn game. Every game. I said that last week to someone. Oh, I said, what? I like this guy. I've liked him since the first game I saw him. Because obviously, the new... I'm not going to say he's a new shiny toy, but figuratively speaking, the new mm. shiny thing, you're like, oh, what's this? So you're able to... Maybe it's a bad thing because you're really zoning in on him. Mm -hmm. And then that way you're like, oh, that was a mistake. Right. Oh, that was a mistake. Whereas if the game was just flowing, you might not have zoned out or zoned in on that so much. But yeah, same exact... I, I echo those sentiments, Lesko. Like, mm -hmm. it has been better and better with each game. And I was really disappointed. Well, not disappointed, but I was a little nervous there when, when he took that, whatever you want to call it, the, the bitch slap. Right, from uh, Taylor Hall. Yeah. The, uh, the apparently was it from not, Will Smith? Not suspension. Yeah. <laughs> not suspension worthy uh, soccer punch there to an unsuspecting player. But it's not, um, though. What, you think he should have been sussied? I thought he could have got a game. I mean, he barely hit him. Yeah, but it's just... It's more of the act, less the, the less the result in that you know in that instance. And yeah. we, it's funny because we had the similar conversation um, when we were talking. Was we were talking about Matthews or or uh, no? We were talking about something completely different. We were talking about Martian. The Martian. We were talking about Martian hitting the goalie. I hated that suspension. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, you know, don't look to that. the NHL for consistencies. I was joking that uh, the next time the Leafs get suspended, they want to appeal it and just send Colton Orr to Perro's office to straighten <laughs> that out. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but I, and I guess the last Good reason, is another defensive-related uh, reason, uh, reason, I suppose, is, uh, well, this is two-prong. We'll say um, the emergence of Lilligren, who I think with a more stable partner we've seen be much more successful, right. uh, i.e. Giordano. Of course. Um, and the other one is uh, the PK, and we'll say Ilya Mikheyev. Um, I, I, there's a whole other conversation to be had as to whether or not the Leafs can retain this guy, but right now I am like, I am fanboying over this guy hard. And let me tell you, is there a guy, has this been done in NHL history, is there a guy who has more goals for than against on the PK in an NHL season, <laughs> like he's plus right now. He is he's like he's plus on the PK. I think he has seven goals for whether he scored them or not. I right. think he has like four or five shorties or something crazy like that. Yeah. So not only does he have a handful been of his five own, against, he's been on the ice and not even Correct. factored in. Or maybe I guess he gets an assist or something. Yeah, but I wish I found the there was a good nerd stat on it. That was like uh, his. Uh, Goal, one of those stats is like expected goals or goals above replacement or whatever. And it was, it was better on the PK like for him than it wasn't for the opposition, which is like 
And the guy tracking it said, I don't think I've ever seen this in all the years of tracking this stat. So he's doing something really impressive. Um, I know we kind of knocked him because we're like, this guy has everything but but the finish and kind of putting together a complete game. But he's proven himself to be super valuable for the team right now. Man, I'll tell you right now, uh, again, this is one of those topics that I think we could get into and spend a whole podcast talking about. But this brings me back to the the notion, and I think we've talked about this before, where hockey at some point is, just, is going to evolve into a, a five-man unit. Right. Defense forward, left wing, right wing, go, go fuck yourself. up and around. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter, okay? Um, you can pick point, you can pinpoint a few players, pick them out of a hat, really. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys that like Kale McCarr and Eric Carlson and Chris Letang and guys like that that just, they're not built like defensemen and they don't even really play like, mm-hmm. like defensemen. They play like defensemen in terms of their angles, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of their like, oh, I'm a big, ruling defenseman. Yeah. I'm going to block shots and get you nasty in the corner. Like it's not like that anymore. And I think it's going to really shift away from that. And one of the, one of the dominoes that's going to fall is power play structure. So right now everyone kind of has the same power play structure, right? It's all sidewalls. And then to the thing, to the mm-hmm. point, to the thing. But the, the problem with that though, is because you're spending so much time in the offensive zone and you have the extra man, you're all flat footed almost the whole time, right. almost the whole time on a power play. Everyone is flat-footed except for the guy in the corner. Everyone else is flat-footed. And the PK, their only goal is to get it out. So everyone's kind of moving that way on the PK, ahead. Mm -hmm. And there's no question to me. It's not not a wonder to me why there's so many more power play or penalty-killing goals. Right, right. Yeah, we've seen a lot more stories, and and you might be able to easily attribute attribute it to the change of formations and the change of personnel and that some guys are using one defenseman. Sometimes we're seeing no defenseman. Yeah. And and it's also kind of take it back to your earlier point of the style of player and the style of game. Um, It seems now that the prototypical or desirable defenseman is that guy who has uh, a toolkit that's useful at both ends of the ice because that, that, uh, offensive skill is also very useful at, at getting out of your own end. Oh, absolutely. Right? Making that first pass. And and one thing I noticed about the way the Leafs are playing and the way a lot of their defensemen play the game is that they are moving the puck and getting out of their zone so much quicker than they have in, in previous years. And, you know, I can even go back a few years and being like, these guys can't break out. Yeah. They can't break out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it was too easy to hem them in. And the way they stretch the ice and give themselves multiple options, I think, is is certainly paying off. But it, what really helps is now that they have the proper p- personnel to do it. We're not running out Zaitsev and Polak and, and Hainsey and guys like that, man. We're running out Riley and Giordano and Brody and Sandine, Lilligren. You know, like guys who can move the puck and make that crisp first pass that they really need. Well, and keep retention, you know? It's not always just about fire it blindly into open ice and just hope for the best. Like there's there's actual calculated plays that I see, and I think that goes further to what you just mentioned about years ago when there was no ability to break out whatsoever. You could just tell that they were about to turn a puck over. Mm-hmm. You got to... Puck s- off the glass. Yeah, and- fine, right? And at least it's out of the zone, but but you did just give it away. Yeah. What I'm getting, what I'm alluding to is puck retention. So, like, not only are we looking at a Leafs team that defensively is able to start breakouts more effectively... But they're actual, like, effective. They're actually effective, man. Like, they're tape-to-tape passes. It might be chipped into the zone, but now we're on the forecheck. Like, it's a lot different uh, than it used to be. And, I mean, I don't want to sit here and, and, and stroke the boys off too much because, you know, there's still 
there's still some issues working their way around mm-hmm. uh, the team, but it's hockey, man. Yeah. Like those things there's are going to come and go. There's always something. I think right now the positive outweighs the negative for the team. I think they're, they, it appears that they're hitting a stride at the right time. Um, what, where were you for Matthews 50? What were you doing? Oh, I was sitting right here on the I'm couch. I'm glad you put that call on too because that's how I got it. I just got back to the room after dinner and threw on uh, the radio. Yes. Just couldn't find anywhere to watch it. Yes. And I, so I got it. Bowen. Dude, I've, I haven't I watched. I stood up and cheered. Oh, I was like. Loudly. Oh, yeah. I was walking around and walking around the resort, man. See guys in Leafs gear. I'm like, 50, 50. <laughs> 50. 50. <laughs> Getting high fives and shit. And yeah, I was, and I was just, uh, I don't know, like, I got a little bit emotional in a, in a way, too. Man, because me I was too. like, you know, I thought back to years ago when, like, he first came in the league and, and talked to my old man about him, and my dad would be like, he can score 50. Absolutely score 50. And, like, we, we, it feels overdue. We've been waiting a couple of years because he would have oh, already, Oh, should have happened right? twice already. Um, but Bowen's call was, like, off the charts. I mean, I watched – I've never watched an empty netter replay so many times because, like, mm. I just wanted to take it all in. You what know about what I mean? 40 in the rookie season that clinched playoffs, though? That, 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 goal, one, that goal clinched playoffs. That, that was a big one, too. But this one's – just more monumental. Now, what do you? What's your take on the the Sally or lack thereof? Like you, I feel like he was genuinely disappointed that he didn't go like you bar know, down, bar down, rip, ripper like he normally would. He 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 was for sure. He was yeah. Like to say he didn't even stand up and give them a wave or I nothing. Know, eh? I know. I mean, he did, I was he did at the end of the game because he was first star and everything. I know, but, but he should have given them he give them a little something. The Bronx or whatever. No, he, no, the Bronx cheer is a bad thing. Oh, the curtain right. call. The curtain call. That's, that's right. what it's for. Yeah, the, he should have done curtain call. It's, it's better in baseball because right. in baseball the fans can't see you. Once oh yeah, they don't one, know you're jumping out. Yeah, no, yeah. no. But once you go into the dugout, you're gone. Yeah. So you disappear from sight, and then they all lose their mind. Let's go, let's go, yeah. let's go, and then you pop out of the dugout and wave to everyone, and then go back in. They, so ho- hockey's a little different where they can see you, like they know you're there. But I would have liked it if he even just kind of from a sitting position, if he just, just threw get, a glove up, just or threw something. a glove up. Yeah. Isn't but whatever, that man. so hockey though? Proud of him. Isn't that so hockey culture though? Oh no, just winning the game here, like. Not a big deal, and I don't know. Like, it, but it's not. He's showtime, right? He's big time. He wants that that electric moment. I mean, it was still an amazing moment. Uh, try and tell the fans in there. Otherwise, they were obviously super stoked. Um, it, it was great to see that it was a, a full barn. Like full barn. You got to think everyone buying tickets going to that game was like, I'm going here to see fifty history. That's why I'm going to this game. Yes, and so. they got it. And may may I say that. Is there anything better than doing it against the Jets? You know what? I enjoyed that. And you know what else I enjoyed? And there was some criticism. So Blackwell got scratched, right? Because Keith wanted to draft, dress Clifford and yeah, Simmons. Yeah, the big boys, yeah. And that, that's a, just a little, like, shut the hell up to all you fans that think Keith is some of this new age pussy, like, soft coach. Yeah. Okay, this guy... This guy remembers, okay? Yeah. He dressed those guys, and what did they do right after Matthew scored 50? They went and started mucking it up. Yeah. They went and started taking names. I uh, loved it. Simmons went after Stanley. Clifford beat the wheels off some other plug. <laughs> I was just like, I was in heaven. I was like, this is everything I wanted, and I only tuned in for the last three minutes of the damn Dude, game. It was, it, was, it was the greatest. Like, it was, what was it, 2-2 in the third? And then it exploded, right? Yeah, something like that. It was I think it was four two when when I had checked the score before I got back to the room, but um 
you know, I guess it's a shame I missed the whole game because it probably wouldn't would have been one I would have actually like taken in the whole thing if I was able to. But um, great, great experience. Glad he finally got it. Um, now, now we got Rick Vive in the sights and uh, oh, that and I mean, the Rocket, right? Rick Vive is obviously he's coming down. Seems like a foregone conclusion. That record point. is coming down for me. It's sixty. He has, uh, I think, it's forty nine and fifty six since his return or return to form. We'll say because he only had two in the first six, I believe it was. Yeah, right? well, coming off of uh, wrist surgery, correct? Wasn't it? Yeah, so. wrist surgery. Yeah, exactly. Like As a, in surgery on your wrist, and how do you shoot pucks? And I think we were. Crazy. We were right not to be worried. I, if I recall correctly, at the early podcast, early season, uh, our eyes were kind of on Marner just because he would, uh, I guess, because he, he had let us down so hard, you know, at the end of the year. And now we look at Marner; he's averaging two points a game, and has, I think, the most points in the NHL since January first yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, he so he is on some kind of heater. They found unreal chemistry with Bunting. It doesn't seem to matter who they threw up there. I believe Mikheyev was getting a couple of reps up there. Um, and it seems that it's a lot more of what we had noticed Keith doing before and ending the last year would say lead up to the playoffs is just cycling through different combinations. Cause you never know what's going to happen come playoffs. And I think, um, I definitely have a lot more confidence in this team than I've had in a long time. And I've had, uh, I I'm a lot happier with the depth situation. It seems that they're trying to figure out what is kind of their primary bottom six formation going in and having guys compete for spots. But I, I know I tell you this much, it's definitely going to include Angval. Um, I think he's really cemented his place in the lineup. Uh, Mikheyev, obviously. Camp, obviously. Um, Kasha, I think, is a bit of a question mark right now just because of his health. Um, but I do like what Blackwell brings. I think Simmons has a role when he's needed. And, uh, of course, Spets, I know they've given him a few off. But uh, I think that more has to do with perhaps a load management situation. And just, like I said, giving guys those looks to try and figure out who they want to see um, and what combinations they can bring come playoff time. Um, I, I did enjoy them taking out Florida because I think that quieted the whole, like, I feel like the media has been hyping Florida up harder than any other team. And we did talk about this briefly last episode, but like last I checked, they haven't won a series since 1996. So if anybody's <laughs> carrying it, the car- cats if, or anybody's, the rats. if anybody's wearing it harder than us, uh, Leafs, then, uh, you know, maybe there's not a constant reminder because they don't have a bunch of fans to bitch about it all the time. That's true. That's true. Well, they fly under the radar. They have for right. for years, and they continue to fly under the radar. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. I'd seen uh, uh, some numbers recently where they had the only teams they'd beaten in their last ten were non-playoff teams. Well, all the while losing to Boston, Toronto, so on and so forth. But uh, we'll really get more of measuring stick, I guess, upcoming, and that is because they are going through the Florida swing this week. We've got Tampa tonight, Florida tomorrow, and then I believe they're doing it again. Uh, soon, so yeah, they got some games to play down there, man. Um, and actually, we got uh, Duthie's. All right, so Duthie's giving me uh, an instruction here to call him in one minute. Okay, so we are going to pause this show. Then we'll be back, <laughs> folks. I guess so. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we teed up our interview here with the one, the only James Duthie, and that's right. Today's guest on the Pucks and Deep podcast is a graduate of Carleton University's School of Journalism. He's a three-time Gemini Award winner, a four-time Canadian Screen Award winner, and is the author of four books. Jeez. He's also the host for Trade Center, NHL Hockey on TSN, the Grey Cup, the Super Bowl, 
the Olympics, the Rubber Boots podcast, and as we speak, the Masters correspondent on TSN. We're extremely proud and very privileged to welcome Mr. James Duthie to the Pucks and D podcast. James, thanks for joining the boys here tonight. Uh, boys, it's uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, listen, I mean, can we can we not – we have to ask immediately. I mean, what's the deal with Tiger, man? You're there. you got to tell me. Is he playing? Well, I watched him on the range for uh, like 15 minutes or so, and uh, he only hit – it's interesting. He only hit probably 30 balls, which a normal warm-up session for a pro on like a Monday at the Masters, it probably hit a lot more than that. Um, but – I think he's sort of limiting everything he does, right? He's preparing but not trying to overdo anything to push it. So right. he hit everything great on the range. I I had to tape some stuff, so I didn't get to go out on the course with him today. But from what I heard, he hit it really good. It, it You know, his swing's not quite the same because I think that ankle especially is, you know, limits his mobility and his, his, like his follow-through looks a little bit different. But it's not much different than what you saw if you watched any of the father-son thing there. Uh, a ways back, he he looks good. He I don't think he from the my buddy who was out following him barely missed a shot the entire time. So uh, in the first four or five holes where he followed him, so I think he's playing. And it's it's unbelievable that he's playing. I think considering where we were thirteen months ago, uh, I I had an inkling feeling, guys. Like Tiger is a funny guy. Like he does love he does love the dramatic appearance right oh, yeah. as much as he's great and doesn't sure. need it so, so when he was talking to nance uh whenever it was a month or so ago or two months ago and sort of downplaying his chances saying i can't really walk too well i kind of had a feeling like this is just so tiger he'll he wants it so nobody thinks there's any chance he's playing and then all of a sudden he he shows up and and everybody goes nuts. I think he does like that to an extent. Oh, he plays um, coy, man. He plays coy oh, big he time. He's done it his yeah, whole he career. Does for sure. I mean, yeah, he, he has. He named his and, yacht uh, privacy, right? Like, listen, guy, <laughs> you got it. you're Tiger Woods, man. Like, you're, you're not getting any privacy no matter where you go. But mm -hmm. I, I said to Lesko just before we, we brought you on, James, is that Lesko made a good point. He said, yeah, I'm sure Tiger doesn't really enjoy the fact that he's taken some of the spotlight away from his fellow competitors. And I said, yeah, maybe five years ago. But, like, there's actually – uh, a reward for taking the spotlight away from your competitors called the pip. I think Tiger Woods is basically winning the pip right now by not telling us if he's playing or not and getting 8.2 million engagements per day instead of just one day. Hey guys, I'm playing. Oh, I, I mean, I think you're right, but I don't think Tiger even thinks about the pip. Like, I, <laughs> well, what about his tweet? He's what about big his, Remember when he slam dunk? Uh, he dunked on Phil, right? Well, that was that was hilarious. But I just think, <laughs> you know, I think it's just it happens no matter what with him that he's going to be the most talked about guy out there, no matter. And you know, what? I, I'm not sure that he does. I don't think he cares that he takes attention away from anyone, and, I'm, and I don't say this in a negative way. You know, the guys on tour really, really do like Tiger and appreciate what he's done. And I think that's the, one of the biggest changes. When Tiger broke in, uh, we were talking about this week with Graham Bellette and Bob Weeks, uh, there was a lot, you know, not publicly, but you could tell guys would get fed up in news conferences having to talk about Tiger all the time. Um, there was some jealousy and resentment, I think, with the generation of golfers that were there when Tiger broke in. And I think that's completely changed now because the entire generation of stars on the tour now 
are the guys who grew up idolizing Tiger. I mean, Morikawa right. wasn't even born when Tiger won in 97. So, you know, all he saw when he was a little kid was Tiger Woods. And so there's now like reverence towards the guy where guys like JT and Rom and Morikawa and on down the list, Spieth, they, I think they all, they all think he's awesome and appreciate he's made them all rich, right, for what he's done. So I, I don't think Tiger, you know, I think Tiger loves loves the attention, loves the spotlight, loves being the only guy anybody's talking about out, out there. Um, and he probably just winks at the guys in the in the locker room <laughs> about it. So uh, I, it's just, you know, the Masters week for me is my favorite week of the year. It's great no matter what. If Tiger wasn't here, it would be great. But when Tiger is here in a situation like this, it's just the excitement is just tenfold. Uh, I walked the course this morning. And that's all anybody was talking about. When's he out? When's he out? Have you seen him? Have you seen him on the range? That's all. So I can't even imagine what the galleries were like for with him this afternoon because uh, he's really stolen all the attention for this tournament right now. Yeah, it's got to be really exciting. And I mean, um, Masters is as exciting as it is already. And then you got Tiger in the mix and you have all this speculation. Um, I did want to ask you, though, have you ever played Augusta? And if so, what's the story and how did you get to do that? I have, and I tell you, the one thing I do when I play golf with guys, I'm such an ass. I if I, I'm playing golf with guys that I don't know, um, my my patented go-to line is I ask them what's their favorite course they've ever played, and <laughs> loaded. They, you know, yeah, they'll say whatever. Where are you guys again? Where you, where do you guys live again? Pembroke, yeah, Ontario. Yeah, Pembroke. So you know, Eagle they'll Creek. say uh, Eagle Eagle Creek or the Marshes or. You know, somebody will say wooden sticks if they're from Toronto or the National or whatever. Right. And then they'll inevitably come back and say, what about you? And I'll go, Augusta National. <laughs> such, <laughs> an just such a Such a douchey thing to do, but I do it all the time. I got so, so basically every year pre-pandemic, and I believe they're starting it again this year, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, on the Sunday of the Masters, they do a draw at about, I say, 20 maybe 25 media people get to play on the Monday. So there's probably several thousand media people here, but you know, a lot of the tech guys aren't golfers and such. So I would say you probably got a one in 10, one in 20 chance to win. But if you win, you can't play again for seven years. So, you know, for the people that all put their names in, um, you gotta, if you've come enough, if you come enough times, eventually you got a pretty good chance. And the year that I played was, I'm terrible with years. I want to say, I think 2016, the year that um, Danny Willett won when uh, Speed put it twice in the water there on 12. Yeah. So uh, I know that because I, when I went and played 12, I went down and looked at uh, Speed's uh, divot, divot marks that were there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I won that year and uh, it was surreal, boys. Like I brought my clubs because I, I thought I had a pretty good chance. Most of the guys on our crew had already won and played and, uh, uh, you they you're sitting there Sunday morning in the International Broadcast Center, and one of the guys with the green jacket comes in and says, uh, "Mr. Duffy, do you have plans tomorrow morning?" And I kind of knew right away. And he hands you this little envelope with a formal invitation. And uh, <laughs> the the funny thing was, I I brought in clubs, but you know it's April in Canada, so I hadn't played right, and I hadn't really looked in my bag, and I had I had no balls, and so I was like, "Shit, where's the pro so?" Spot? 
<laughs> yeah, my my crew my crew had already gone home, like gone to take their planes. I had to reschedule my flight, and uh, <laughs> and I I had to get so a taxi was picking me up and taking me to the golf course, and I had I I had to go, and I'm like I need golf balls. It's like eight o'clock on a Monday morning, and she said, "Well, the only thing open is a Walmart." So she takes me to Walmart, and the only golf balls they had were like Top Flight Hot XL. No, James. <laughs> so I, I went to Augusta. I went to Augusta National with like twelve Top Flight Hot oh XL. <laughs> I guess it's better than <laughs> the fishing them out thing, of the woods. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, so you get there, it's amazing. You walk down Magnolia Lane, and and they give you one of the champions' lockers, like the champions' locker room, which. They don't really show ever on TV. It's it's not very big. Uh, so, like, the guys chair locker rooms. Like, Arnie and Tiger had the same locker or whatever. It was really yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. And there's only one shower stall in there. So, I had these visions of, you know, like, Jack and Trevino and Jordan Spieth and Adam Scott, like, lined up naked waiting to shower. It's really weird. <laughs> okay. But uh, uh, you get you get to the range, and they, they all the caddies are there in white, and you... Basically, wherever you pick your spot, that's going to be your caddies lined up behind. And uh, they have, obviously, all these Pro Vs with, uh, with Masters logos on them and a whole stack of them on, for you. And uh, so I sort of looked at my caddy and uh, looked down at the balls, kind of like saying, and he knew what the deal was. So he turned his back and I just piled like about 12 into my bag. <laughs> okay. So, well, what do you mean so like the- what do you mean like 12? Be honest. How many did you take? Yeah, probably, I, I I probably couldn't take that many. I probably took ten or twelve legitimately. So you had I, your Walmart pinnacles or whatever the hell they were. Yeah, my Walmart okay. top lights, top lights, my, whatever. My Masters logo. So it was pretty cheesy playing with range balls, like, but it's the greatest range ball you'll ever play with, right? Oh, of course. But I mean, okay, so bring me onto the course here. Now I don't want to go too in depth, but I gotta know. I mean, are you hitting aluminum pop can top flights off the tee, and then like, <laughs> and then like chipping and putting with the soft masters? No, ball? I played. I played. I played with the. Uh... Like I played with the the Masters balls, I didn't care. I'm playing, oh, nice. Like, okay, they're Pro Vs. So, okay, okay. Did you, uh, how many did you lose? Did you finish the day with at least one? I lost two balls. I hit. Um, I made a nine on ten. Uh, and you know, I, it's it's a really playable. I'm I've never been more nervous. I don't think. Obviously, it's it's surreal to be playing the national. So I was incredibly nervous. But it's a very playable golf course, and you play off the members tees, which tease the the tiger one from in 97 but you know with distance over the last 20 years right um like for instance today i was out they've lengthened 11 again so i was standing where i teed off the members tees and the 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 pros tees on 11 got to be 150 yards behind where the members tees are so wow uh, but but it was really super super playable like it's wide fairways and you know it's so perfect there that you hit it in the trees you usually have a shot like I said, I made a nine on ten where I hit it in some bush that you don't even see on TV. That's how bad a shot it was. <laughs> and then I hit it. I hit it in the water. I tried to get on in two on fifteen, which was a, a dumb move. And I and I hit it in the water yeah, there. But so went in uh, Rome, right? You got it. You got to give it a shot, exactly. right? Exactly. How many four putts do you have? I didn't have a four putt, but nice. I think I three putted. Like I played like well ish. I mean, you take away the nine. I shot ninety two, and I three putted like. 13 times so 
it was like an 80-81 ready to happen, but I just I had trouble with the putting. Yeah, well, I mean, anyone would, right? Like, that's that's the claim to fame of Augusta is the undulations but it of wasn't, the greens. He, and- the thing was, it wasn't, you know, I thought it would be impossible, and it wasn't. It was incredibly fast, like you just touch it. But the caddies were really good on reading the greens, and that they're the purest greens you'll ever play. So that was not really an excuse. It's just that they were so fast, and I was never close. So I always had like thirty footers, mm. and I would roll it eight feet by and miss the comebacker like every single hole. <laughs> so it was it was very frustrating, but like one of the greatest days of my life. Awesome, man! I wonder what you'd be shooting if you didn't have the caddies. That'd be a good. That'd be a yeah, good test. That's a, you're you're <laughs> so right because I can tell you the first hole, like I was I don't know I had like a twenty five footer actually for birdie and and I was looking one way and and he he said no 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 and he went and moved like twenty feet the other way and said this is where you're hitting it to and I was like what <laughs> so yeah they they were very good. That's awesome, man. So, go ahead, let's go. I was just going to say, I guess it looks a little different than it does on TV because, I mean, and you've been there in person a lot too, so you figure you know the course really well, but good to have those guys there to guide you along, I imagine. Oh, yeah, they were, they were unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I probably would have been kind of lost without them. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, they always say that too about how, like, it looks great on TV because of the new technology and the 4K or 8K or whatever K it is these days, like, um, you know, it's it's good for things like golf courses. Maybe not so good for you on uh, TSN, James, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it really doesn't. It really does no justice in terms of uh, what it looks like in person. It, it's one of the few. The thing I always tell people, and if you talk to anybody who's been there, I, I everybody seems to say the same thing. There's there's so many things in life that don't meet your expectations, right? A place you want to go and visit, and you've seen it in wherever in magazines or the internet or TV and, and you go there and it's not as cool as it looks in the photos. And Augusta national is one of the few places that to me exceeded expectations. Like, and every time I come back, I feel the same way. I have a buddy down this week who, who was able to get a ticket. And so I walked the course with him today and you know, he's just so blown away by how, how unbelievably the, like every piece of grass is perfect, right? There's not a, not a piece of pine straw out of place and it's mm-hmm. just it's just such a, it's such a it's an incredible incredible place that's awesome so uh just stick around the masters for a little bit i mean it's masters week i said that earlier uh before we brought you yeah, on. So listen course. guys it's a hockey podcast but today's math it's you know it's masters week tigers is probably in the field you're not going to get a whole lot of hockey here today so <laughs> uh but how many masters have you covered like do you have the do you have the number uh, well, my first was 2002 oh, wow. and, and then I got into a span where the hockey playoffs got in the way for, uh, I started hosting hockey that same year, 2002, 2003. So it always kind of the first week of the playoffs was always the week of the masters. So mm-hmm. I could never go. And then when, when we lost the national TV rights, uh, in 2014, I started going back every year. So this would be my eighth or ninth um so i think i think this is actually my 10th masters wow okay and uh i mean i feel like 2019 probably sticks out for you but uh is there any other uh, anything maybe well the first you know the first is special because it's the first one you covered and uh it wasn't tiger won the first one i went to but 2019 is uh was surreal uh to have that happen um i'll you know i'll tell you quickly that well, a lot of people ask me, 
where were you when certain moments happen, you know, famous masters moments. And most of the time I don't have a great story because when you're, when you're covering the masters, it, I'm sure you guys have heard you can't bring cell phones onto the golf course, course right? Yep. If you if you, if you pull out a cell phone at, at Augusta National, you're immediately kicked off. Mm-hmm. And there's no electronic sport scoreboards, only those wooden scoreboards. I think what they really want there is they want the experience of kind of traveling back in time. Yeah. And where there's no technology. But for a reporter, it makes it really hard to cover the tournament. So I have to do an hour post show as soon as the Masters is over uh, and every day. And so I can't go out and walk the course because I'll miss 90% of what is happening, particularly on a tight leaderboard. The only exception to that was in 2020 when there was no fans allowed because of COVID. Uh, I, and Dustin Johnson had like a four-stroke lead. I walked the whole 18 holes with him because that awesome. was the only story. And I could get like five feet away from him basically on every shot. But So most of the time I, I, I walked the front nine maybe with the leaders and then I... I walk the back. I watch the back nine on TV like everybody else. But so that year we walked with Tiger, and uh, he made a two putt on on nine, which you know it doesn't really show up in the highlights much, but it was a ridiculously good two putt. And then there's a walk from nine nine green to ten t, and it's one of my favorite sports memories, just because the electricity in the air of that crowd. He made that two putt, and I think he made the turn tied for the lead, or maybe one behind Molinari, and and people were just losing their freaking minds uh, just in that hundred yard walk as they all kind of realized the tiger was going to the back nine of the masters with a chance to win after everything he'd been through. And, and it was just, it was nuts. You 60 year old men screaming at the top of their lungs, you know, <laughs> That's amazing. and yeah, it was just a, it was a really, really cool moment. And the, the thought, like I, I said that nothing will ever top that. I had a really good, amazing year that year where the Raptors won the uh won the NBA title two months after that basically uh, which I was fortunate enough to cover and I'm like man I I don't know that I'll have too many I've had some great Stanley Cup finals and world juniors but those were two pretty cool moments in a short span of time but but if he somehow gets into contention this this weekend after after this year it'll even outdo 2019 so it would incredible it absolutely would I mean to think about I, I I remember exactly what I was doing and where I was uh, when I was actually listening to PGA Tour radio um, in the afternoon just for whatever. And they were like, they, the guy just interrupted the other guy. He said, man, I, I got to stop you right there. He said, we got breaking news and it needs to be delivered immediately. And then they delivered the news about the car accident. And for those of us mm-hmm. like myself who were listening to it occur live and not like finding out, e- even 10 minutes later is an eternity when – the first 10 minutes of my life after hearing that on the news, they could not confirm whether he was even alive on the radio. And it was like, Mm -hmm. I actually pulled my car over. I was out delivering something to a client of mine and I, I had to pull over and I was like yelling at the radio. I was like, like, tell me something, you know? And they went to commercial break. And so it's crazy. Like, obviously as we look back on it now, hindsight's 2020 and you don't want to, you know, overblow anything too much, but I don't know if the severity of the incident could be overblown. I mean, the guy almost died. He almost lost his leg. He's coming back. He's going to win or contend at goddamn Augusta. It's just crazy after the COVID <laughs> thing that we just went through. It's just, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I think you're bang on, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we hype a lot of stuff, right. And we get accused of it in the media and, and, but this, I don't think you can overstate what this would be. I mean, I said at the time when he was hurt, I said, you know what, if he never plays again, 
no problem. You know, he's given us so many amazing memories. If he plays again in a PGA tournament, that's incredible, right? If he just plays with his kid in his backyard, great. If he plays in a PGA tournament, that's incredible. You know, if he plays in the Masters, wow. If he somehow can contend in the match, you know, who knows? He'll go out and maybe, maybe it's too much and he pulls out after one round. I don't think so. It's no. Tiger Woods. Or maybe he shoots 77, 75 and doesn't make the weekend. No. And even so, it's an amazing story, right? <laughs> but if he if he somehow even makes the cut, that's or gets himself I can't I like I can't think that he's gonna get into contention. It's just the field is so good and to not play remember, besides the father son shindig there, he hasn't played since the two thousand twenty Masters. It's Tiger. The one the DJ one. It's Tiger. I know, I know. You're right, guys, and that's the only the only way you don't don't discount it, but he, no matter whether it, when he won in 2019, he was coming in on form. Yeah. Like he'd 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 won events and looked great. He hasn't played anything. So if if he does this, and you're right, I don't. I'm not going to ever put it by him because it's Tiger Woods. But if he does this, it's freaking incredible. Yeah, you're right, and it's just special even having him here and uh, having the opportunity to perhaps watch him play again when we are all in doubt. You know for. Quite a, quite a long time over that. Um, I do have to ask, we'll keep it on, on golf, but move on to TSN a little bit here. Who is the best golfer at TSN? Uh, it pains me to say it, but yes. uh, pro- Jeff O'Neill. I do, dog, eh? Okay. Oh, um, dog. But not if he has to walk the course, though, right? No, exactly. That's the great equalizer. If, like, I carry... Uh, when I play usually, like, and if O-Dog had to carry, I would beat him by 10 strokes. I'm going to predict that right now. <laughs> yeah, but ho- well, hold on a second, because we got to ask you who the worst is. So, like, you can you can let that percolate in the back, okay, for who who the worst is. Who, well, who, I'll who just you tell you right I'll okay. just tell you right now, Go because he's, pro- he's probably my best friend, so he could take it. It's probably Bob McKenzie. Okay. Okay, okay that's fair, and I can see that. But he, you know, but he admits he it. You see, like, yeah, Bob, he wouldn't care. and Bob is improving rapidly, but he never really played golf until... Two years ago, when he went into semi-retirement, now okay. he's playing all the time. So he's getting better fast, but yeah, but I lo- he still has some stays, you know. I love that Bobby Mack is basically the only guy in showbiz that can do like a semi-retirement and have it be totally legit. No one asks any questions. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, on the walking thing though, uh, didn't you just get an electric cart? I wanted to talk to you about electric carts. Yeah. So uh, and O Dog has one it was too. Funny. He? I was I was on overdrive with uh, O-Dog and Jamie McLennan and Brian Hayes, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago. And I think O-Dog, I was talking about how O-Dog was frustrating to play with because he always takes carts and he kind of rides ahead. He wants to finish in like two and a half hours, yeah. right? He's got no patience. And But then he was complaining about his weight and stuff. So I'm like, O-Dog, it, you don't have to go on some crazy diet. You don't have to, if you, if you walked you know, three times a week playing golf, you'd lose a lot of weight. It's just that would happen guaranteed. And, and then we started getting into electric carts because I was contemplating, I wanted to carry like as long as I could, but, and I still do, but it does, you know, I am tired after carrying the course that I play mostly in where I live is, is pretty hilly. And so I am burnt now. I'm, you know, getting up there. So I thought a lot of my buddies play with the electric carts and they, they look so relaxed just strolling down the fairway. But I was, you know, my son's giving me a hard time. He's, he's like, dad, as soon as you get that, you're officially an old man. Right. So, uh, but so we, anyway, we're talking about it. And then the folks at golf town called us and said, uh, and said, uh, we want to hook you guys up with, uh, 
electric carts if so so me and o-dog went and got one so i have one now i'm not going to use it every round this year but i'm definitely going to try it that's awesome so the reason why i wanted to bring it up i was tuned into that show and then i think just recently um i don't know if it was you on again or 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 someone else but they were talking about it just a few days ago like uh, you know after you and i had already said okay let's do the podcast thing and i was like i can't wait to talk to duthie about the electric carts because i bought one duthie I got, awesome! I bought one uh, in the how winter. How old are you? Can I, how I'm, old are you? I'm 35. <laughs> oh, you see, so that makes me feel better. I'm no, in my 50s. Well, I'm gonna make you feel better right now, man. Okay, like I, I'm I'm in fine shape. Okay, like I'm in yeah. fine shape. I have great diet. I, I'm very active. But I bought that sucker. I'm pointing at it right now in my garage. I can't wait to bust it out. I bought that thing because I want to play golf and enjoy golf, and I feel like having right. that thing is going to help me enjoy golf by simply striking my golf ball and then walking to my golf ball and no driving around or having to talk about someone's bad day or someone's (laughs) ex-wife is giving them shit or whatever the case may be, you know, like I'm just able to enjoy the course, walk the course. And I think it's going to make me a better golfer and people make fun of me about it. No, I think so too, because my favorite rounds, you know, I've been out, I've talked about Cabot a lot. It's my favorite place to play golf and and uh, we always get caddies when we're out there, and, and it's so, it's so liber. I always play well out there, but it's so liberating just walking right down the, and you feel a bit like a pro, right? Because you're not oh, for sure you do. slugging clubs along. And I do think it probably hurts me later in my rounds, even though I don't feel like super tired. You're you're physically a little more tired carrying your clubs, uh, and I never like push carts. So, like I said, I've always gotten, uh, I've always carried. And the 14 I, so year I, in there probably doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I know I can't, I can't wait to do it. My biggest problem is I'm a little bit, um, I like forgetful and such. So I'm probably going to lose the remote control within like one round. And I'm probably <laughs> going to put, probably going to put the card in a pond within the first couple of rounds. So it's going to get ugly. I got to go out soon and get, and give mine a test drive. Cause my, my home course out here in Eganville, Ontario, uh, it's called Whitetail. It's uh, it's pretty hilly as well, and there's some there's some sketchy spots. So I have to go out and take it for a take it for a test drive. But hey, you know if uh, I don't know what brand you got or whatever, it doesn't matter at this point. But if you ever need a fourth, okay, for the electric cart buddies, uh, I'll, <laughs> yeah, course, uh, I'll, buddy. I'll clear my Anytime. schedule, okay, and head on down to TO. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs> uh, there was a couple more questions I want to get in. Uh, I know James, you got some work to do, of course. Um, just kind of going into your career a little bit. And um, I did want to ask you when you were coming up in Ottawa on the local scene and everything, um, you know, were there any TV personalities or sportscasters that you drew inspiration from? Yeah, sure. I mean, when I was younger, I don't know that I had uh, like a favorite sportscaster or anything like that. I actually watched, uh, I, when people say, who did you, you know, who was your role model or anything like that. Uh, I watched a lot of David Letterman when I was younger, who, uh, you know, I feel bad for like the current generation who saw Letterman at the end when Letterman in his prime, like in the eighties, nineties was just unbelievable. And, uh, I don't know that that inspired me to be a broadcaster or something, but, uh, I certainly, I probably watched him more than I watched anybody else, but you know, Bob Costas was a big deal. And I think, man, that guy's awesome. Even Nance, who was still young back then, uh, who I think is just an, an awesome broadcaster. Like for him to do golf, football, and basketball the way he does it is uh, mm-hmm. is is incredible. Um, but locally, uh, and I don't. Some of your listeners who are, who, are, who may may remember if they're a little bit older. Uh, I didn't really think about being on TSN or being a national sportscaster back then. 
I was uh, just a little kid from Blackburn Hamlet outside Ottawa, and the local sportscasters on on CJOH, which you'd get in Eganville, which is now just CTV Ottawa, like Brian Smith and Bill Patterson were their names. And I always said to myself, man, if I could just do the local sports, you know, report on Ottawa Rough Rider games or Ottawa Senators games, that would be the coolest thing in the world. So those were the two guys that I watched all the time. And then, you know, I ended up going to work at that station as my first job and actually worked with those two guys uh, who unfortunately have both passed away. Uh, and two of, the, two of the toughest sort of losses in my life, those two guys, because they really became... Uh, and it wasn't like they were the best sportscasters ever. And, you know, I role model my my style after them. It's just they were really nice guys who, who took a lot of time to teach me sort of the ropes of the business. And so I'll never forget that. So I probably admire those guys as much as any of the big stars. I know it's really fun to be able to grow up as a, as a kid and even in, into your teenage years and just kind of you know, realize maybe what your calling is, right? And like for for me, uh, I, I always really enjoyed watching games uh, for Bob Cole to, to broadcast, right, on hockey. For sure. And uh, I mean, for the longest time, he was just an absolute icon. And like I do uh, the play-by-play broadcasting for the Lumber Kings here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, I have for, oh, geez, must be over a dozen years now or so. But, oh, that's um, awesome. You know, one of the, yeah, I love it. One of the greatest compliments I think I can get from people is a couple people have told me that I remind them of Bob Cole. Not that I sound like Bob Cole, but that I remind them of Bob Cole. And I like to both of those people, I remember saying to them, like, I've never been complimented any better than that. Because if I, so- <laughs> if I sounded like Bob Cole, that meant that I was, you know, imitating, which is a form of flattery, but not what I wanted to do. Um, but I guess right. just the, the energy that I have or whatever, um, it's, it's very Bob Cole-like. And I, I always I thought that was the greatest thing ever because you're right. It's just so much fun to be able to uh, right. l- learn from the best, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that, you know, I ended up being a host mostly in my career. And, you know, like yourself, I loved play-by-play when I was younger. But I, I, I was more thinking about football play-by-play as what I wanted to do. And then I was actually starting to do it for the CFL. I'd done maybe 20 games when the hockey job came along. And I was smart enough to know that you don't turn down a national hosting job for hockey in Canada. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so Easy. that sort of ended up being my career route. And you know what? It's probably probably worked out for the best. I don't know if I would have been great at play-by-play. Uh, uh, you know, hosting's probably the, the best thing for a guy with a limited attention span like I have. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, no, I love that you pursued uh, you pursued that, and you're right. That is, there's no greater compliment than someone saying, uh, "Hey, you remind me of some guy that you greatly admired." Well, it's great that two guys with little attention spans are able to keep your attention span here for as long as we have, and definitely appreciate it. I did want to dive into uh, something that uh, I think is really important, and and. Uh, your work on that really powerful and moving feature uh, that you did for TSN called the butterfly child back in 2016. Um, Jonathan Pitt, I thought was, you know, a very incredible and inspiring local and national hero. Um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about your relationship with him, kind of how the feature came about and the overall impact that it had. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I don't even know that you know this, but it, today is the fourth anniversary of his death, which, uh, um, is tough it happened masters week and i can still remember being on the set when i got the call from his mom to tell me and it was the masters which made it a very tough show probably the toughest show i'll ever have to get through because he had an incredible impact on me uh 
very quickly he my thing my he there was a first an article on him in the Ottawa Citizen that my sister read and he somewhere in the article it said he wanted to be a sportscaster so she forwarded me the article and I I reached out to the family and you know within a month he was down at TSN hanging out with us on the set and so we got to be really close and you're right there's there's a there's very few people you meet in your life that you just are just completely overwhelmed by and here was this kid who was 14 when I met him who you know for your listeners that don't know uh the disease he had was something called epidermolosis bullosa which is a very rare disease and thus doesn't get much attention but it is one of the most painful diseases known to mankind where essentially your skin is like that of a butterfly and not just on the outside of your body but also on the inside so every little thing you do you know even eating is excruciating <coughs> excuse me excruciatingly painful and so Jonathan from basically from the day he was born was in constant pain his entire life and for those who saw the feature it was very hard to do you know he has you have to have a you break you basically have cuts and bruises all over your body from just any little touch and you have to have uh, you know a bath every second day where they wrap your entire body almost like a mummy uh, to prevent yourself from being wounded and such. So he lived his entire life like that, and uh, and yet was this like so positive, right? Like every time I saw him, he's like, "Yep, I'm going to beat this, and I'm going to if I don't beat it, I'm just going to help other people with it." And I, I just you know it made it made all the little complaints that the rest of us have in our lives so completely and utterly irrelevant mm -hmm. and so it literally changed my life and you know you say that all the time oh this changed my life we don't really mean it this kid changed my life because he gave me a completely new perspective on you know just day-to-day -day, the little issues that we think in our lives are are big things which are not compared to what he went through so uh i'm i'm you know i feel incredibly fortunate that i had to, to spend a few years with him and uh uh, his mom's also inspiring because what she had to go through to take care of him was was unbelievable. So, yeah, just a remarkable family. Well, that's a, sorry, Les, I was just going to say that's a really amazing, man. Like, and I'm happy that uh, we were able to, you know, give you the opportunity to share the story on on honestly, here it is, the fourth year, right? Uh was it, did you say the fourth year, uh James? Uh, yeah, the anniversary fourth, fourth, of, of his fourth death. anniversary. Yeah, like, and you know what? This was uh, uh sorry to interrupt you, but No, no problem. Um, the, you know, I my mom always uh, told me bad things happen in threes, and I'm just taken back uh, to every time I come to the Masters now, I think of it, because that week, so Jonathan died on, a, I believe, the Wednesday, uh, but the, the world didn't really find out until Friday, and it was obviously national news because he'd become quite famous, and I remember doing an interview with Lisa LaFlamme on the Friday, and uh, it was, you know, going to be the lead story on the national news that night. And uh, Friday at about 6 p.m. was the Humboldt bus crash. And jeez. Oh, uh, and right. then uh, I got home from the Masters on Monday and uh, got summons to Ottawa. And my dad passed away on uh, Monday night. So, oh my so, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was that was a that was a really difficult week. And every every Masters week now, I, I think of all three of those things because uh, you know Humboldt was such a uh, such a massive tragedy in this country and we were uh blessed enough to go back and do the opening game the next year where they did the ceremony and the people in that community were so incredible so uh you know out of awful things positive things come and the the strength of jonathan uh the strength of the people in humboldt 
you know, and even my dad who had a great long life and, uh, um, uh, you know, those, those, all those, all those people stay with me. So, you know, it, it's all good, but it was a tough week. Yeah. And it's, it's really great that you can draw some inspiration and perspective from it. And I will just say that I, I believe that these difficult conversations, um, you know, you just said it very nicely in the the butterfly child piece where you're like, these are things that need to be seen, things that need to be known. And I just wanted to commend you for the, you know, the way you, you know, you handled any of those topics and the way that you kind of bring those difficult conversations into light, uh, whether it's any of those tragedies that you just spoke to and uh, just even you here talking about it today. So, um, you know, we very appreciate that. And uh, we think that, you know, I, I think I speak for both of us and all of us really sports fans is that there's more to sports and there's more to life than sports. And there are stories here that need to be told and they're not always the happiest, prettiest, shiniest ones. And uh, I think, you know, you, you handle those really well and it's good to see that uh, there's room for that kind of creativity at TSN. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We have these incredible, um, you know, producers, uh, there was a, a gentleman named Ross who doesn't work at TSN anymore, who put together the, the butterfly child. And, uh, you know, he did, he did an unbelievable, unbelievable job. He did all the hard work on that, on that story. I was just a, a small part of it, but, uh, um, yeah, it, I, I, I agree with you, um, that sports is, uh, should be fun. It should be an escape, but if you can bring to light, you know, other things because of it, um, you know, Jonathan got, kind of famous because only because he loves sports right mm -hmm. and through sports we were able to tell his story you know he did something with the ottawa senators and and got to know these hockey players who also um you know augmented his cause and so uh yeah sports can do some some really cool things you know the thing i thought about jonathan uh a couple of weeks ago when that little boy Jack was in the Oilers dressing room. Right. Yeah. And, uh, that was, that was an incredible moment too. And, you know, hockey people, hockey players, hockey culture has this kind of bad name right now. And, and I think it, that's fair that we need to talk about some of the problems that hockey has had and continues to have, but there are really good people in hockey who do some wonderful things as well. Right. Humans are complicated. And, uh, uh, that shouldn't be forgotten either. Absolutely. And, you know, sports brings us together. And if it weren't for, you know, your love of sports and, and, and matched with Jonathan's uh, love of sports, then, you know, the, the two of you would have never crossed paths. And that's, you know, that's ultimately, that wouldn't have been a good thing for the life of James Duffy. Now what you know, you know, in hindsight. And exactly. Ha having the exactly. opportunity to meet him. Uh, just slightly on the topic as well, Children Believe. Uh, so you're an ambassador for Children Believe. Um, mind, mind telling us a little bit about that, uh, what, the, what kind of work that the charity does? Yeah, so uh, I've been led a very privileged life, and uh, as have my children. And somewhere along the way, I think, uh, you know, you go through and you, I have a busy career, and we had three kids in four years, my wife and I, and uh, anybody who has kids you knows how crazy that is. So, uh, you know, you're just running around trying to get through every day, <laughs> and uh, I think somewhere along the way when my kids got a little older and I was able to have a little more uh, time to sit and reflect on life that uh, I said we wanted to do more and help out uh, a little bit more. 
and uh, somebody approached me from Children Believe and and uh, asked if I'd want to do some work with them, and I did some research on it. And really good organization, uh, an organization that you've, that helps uh, children in extreme poverty and in other places in the world, basically. And you know, selfishly. I, I, I did I did a bunch of trips and on each one of the trips I took one of my children. Um, the the selfish part of it is I wanted them to see what the rest of the world is like. Right? Mm. They grow up in you know a town called Aurora, which is a you know an affluent suburb of Toronto, basically, and uh, and don't really want for anything. And so I, I really wanted them to to you know in at grade nine and ten figure out you know, that this is, this is not the way the world is, the life that you live, that there's, you know, 90% of the world is not like your life. And so I took my son on the first trip, we went to, to um, Paraguay, actually. And then my old eldest daughter, we went to Nicaragua. And then my youngest daughter, we went to Ethiopia. Uh, we have, we had adopted a, a a child, a sponsored child in Nicaragua and then we, in Paraguay, excuse me. And then we had one in Ethiopia as well. And so, you know, the kids got to meet our sponsored kids and they got to do some work over there and just sort of see what it's like where these kids who have, you know, they have nothing like nothing. Our sponsored child in Ethiopia, um, she lived in a shack with her mother and, you know, five kids in what would be the size of, you know, an ensuite bathroom in a normal house in Canada, uh, which, you know, made a mud basically. And yet they were happy. The thing that amazed me on all these trips, is these kids were so happy, right? Cause they didn't know anything else and they just right. made the best out of their lives. It, it changed my kids. And, uh, that was the selfish part of it to give them some perspective and, you know, hopefully just spread the cause for people who are able to help out that uh, this is a, a really good organization. And the thing I liked about it, guys, I'm sorry, I'm running on too long here, but um, I, you know, I, when I, when I signed up with them, I didn't want to do those commercials where, uh, you know, the children are, are starving or dying and, and you're, you're begging for money from people. I, I said, I don't want to do that. I, I would like to do something more positive. And so, you know, the commercials we did and the trips I did, we would focus on, on the positive side of it. Okay. So here's a school that they built with, you know, the money of Canadians. And now these kids who couldn't go to school are going to school or here, here's a well that they built. So I really like that part of it is that we focused on where the money went and, and what, what was made from it. And instead of, you know, instead of relying on people's guilt and making them feel awful in order to uh, to make them donate money. No offense to those companies that do that. I get it. It works, but I wanted to do it a little bit differently. No, that's great, man. And, and huge props to, you know, you and, and your family for, you know, doing doing some good in the world, James. I mean, you know, it's 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 kind of tough these days to throw on the news uh, channels and 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 have some some uh, uplifting moments. But uh, I'm glad that you were able to you know chat a little bit about Jonathan and and, and chat even more about uh, Children Believe. To be honest, like I'm not going to lie to you, I'd never even heard of it. So you know, you, you, yeah, no, it's all all cool. Good, good. I thing feel there. like I've, we spent too much time on uh, on uh, awful things like diseases <laughs> and charities on your podcast, and all your listeners are like, "What? Why? Why isn't Duffy talking about hockey? This is bullshit." <laughs> 
No, no, we, no, it's okay, James. It just le- leaves the door open for you to come back on next time and maybe talk some talk. But listen, uh, we'll let we'll, we'll let you uh, we'll let you get back to your busy day, man. We really appreciate you stopping by, though, James. It means a lot for us. Uh, probably sends us off into a little bit of another stratosphere. We've had some former pros and whatnot, so you know we'll pat you on the back, James, and let you know that I think uh, the interview here on the Pucks and D podcast may have uh, elevated our game a little bit. So thanks a lot for that. <laughs> Well, I I don't know if I, if I'm your biggest guest, then uh, uh, you 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 need you need some. We'll get we'll get you we'll get you with some bigger guys down there. Oh, okay. But. Well, you can be our manager if you want. And listen, if if you can find us someone that Drake actually knows and would recognize in Turks and Caicos, that would be great too. Yeah, that's definitely not me. Uh, no, boys, it was a pleasure, and uh, I really appreciated the talk. So All right, thanks a lot, James. Till next time. Listen, don't block my number either. I'm going to bug you for golf. <laughs> Yeah, no worries, bud. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. Guys. Enjoy the Masters. Thanks, James. Okay, thanks so much. And when you, uh, whenever you send this out or whatever, just uh, uh, copy me on a tweet or whatever, and I'll make sure I retweet it. Okay, okay we'll, we'll do. Listen, before you hang up the phone, we got to get you one hockey question: Are the Leafs winning a round? Oh, um, <sighs> look it. I I can't. I don't pretend to be good at predicting. That's why we used to have a monkey spinning a wheel on TSN. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. I don't think the expectations have ever been lower. Hmm. And, and I, I, amongst Leaf fans anyway, maybe not the organization, but I just feel like after last year when the path to at least, uh, you know, the semis or a cup final was right in front of them and, I think they will lament that for a long time, particularly if this window closes and they haven't won anything. Um, Cause that it's never been more wide open for them. But, and so I think that the fans no longer, they expect them to lose. They look at Tampa and Florida and everything and the goaltending situation right now and say, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, we're going out in the first round again. That's what I hear from my friends who are Leaf fans anyway. So hockey's a funny game as you guys know really well. So the one thing I would say is sometimes when you, you know, when it just all looks bad, that's exactly the time when you win, right? Mm-hmm. When, when the expectations are all gone, that's the time when you surprise. And so there's a, there's a part of me that thinks, you know, if logically I look at it, I go, uh, they shouldn't, they shouldn't beat the lightning. Like uh, they probably shouldn't beat the Panthers. I think they probably beat the Bruins. Um, I don't know if Carolina, depending where they end up here, but but I, I just think even with Tampa, Tampa's been to the like the, at least the conference final something like seven in the last nine years or something. I'll get the stat wrong. Uh, eventually, they're going to run out of gas. I think somewhere along the way in the playoffs, Florida still hasn't proven anything. Jack Campbell is like, or one of these goalies is bound to get hot. Just pure mathematics, I think, or at least decently hot. Maybe not hot, but at least you know, supply average quality goaltending and they're a really good team. So I kind of have this weird feeling that this is the year that the expectations will be low and that they will win a round or two. Um, and who knows if they win around, maybe sky suddenly becomes the limit, right? All the, all the stick squeezing that we've seen in the first round in past years goes away and they can play free hockey. And, you know, with that, with that kind of team, you could go anywhere then. So, I guess that's a really long-winded way of me saying uh, I don't know. I don't know, but 
But I, but I think this might be the year that they do. All there right. You go. Positive note, he says there's a chance. Hey, you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Spoken like a true host, though, James. I mean, a simple yes or no would have sufficed, but you hit us with the darkest before the dawn. Well, look, I don't get to talk much on TV, right? When I'm hosting, I talk for 10 or 15 seconds. And when I'm on a podcast, it's my time. So just let me go. All uh, right. Anytime, anytime. Anytime, man. All right. Well, thanks again, James. Really appreciate right, it. Enjoy your Take week. Travel safe. All right. All right. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Okay, well, James Duthie. James Duthie, everybody. James Duthie, everybody. My goodness. You know what? We were going through, uh, yeah, we were going through through our, our serious bit there with James. We were talking about Jonathan. We were talking about Children Believe. I think that was actually great, to be honest with well, you. I, that's I know the he made thing a bit that of a. They don't get to talk about. Yes. Right? Like, yes. he kind of said, he's kind of said, like, oh, we're talking about this kind of, like, real life sad shit. But, I mean, it's. We, we never have shied away from difficult topics on this show. And it's true. I felt like that's something that's near and dear to his heart and that. It was important that we give him the opportunity, especially given the fact that, which I didn't know either until he tweeted about Today. him this morning. Yes. And I realized that it was. Um, so I thought we had to bring it up. And uh, if anybody has not seen the Butterfly Child feature oh. on TSN, you can look it up on YouTube or on their website. Um, powerful is the word. Very powerful, very difficult to watch. Um, but I'm, I'm a squeamish pussy. If I can get through it, then you can too. <laughs> no, that was, that was wicked, man. And honestly, yeah, when we were kind of going through it and he, like he just said before he went out there, like he, he's not, he's not shy to talk. Right. So, I mean, just before we went on, I think we were only going to get maybe half hour from him. I didn't check, but I think it was about like almost 40 minutes, 40 yeah. minutes. Right. So a pretty good interview. And when he was kind of talking about it, I was thinking to myself, like, what's the segue? Like, like you, you can't just you can't just hang up the phone with them after um, you know a, a, a rather serious topic. Like you kind of gotta swing it back the other way where we are hooting and hollering, laughing as as we hang up the phone. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what's the segue? But like, true professional, you know. And like, credit to you too, man. I got to give you props there because you were doing a really good job handling that portion uh, specifically of of the interview. And we we you know we kind of bounced out of it into into children's believe, and he had an opportunity to talk about some real good in the world. Uh, geez, I thought that was really um, impressive to hear about his family sponsoring some mm-hmm. children um, in some less fortunate areas. So, yeah, really, on, honestly, all around, great stuff. Um, we didn't ignore the hockey entirely. We were able to talk to him basically about the Leafs, right? Yep. So, and give then people we're, what they want. We're a Leaf-centric podcast, so we definitely gave people what they want. But I, I remember saying to Kirsty earlier today, uh, just before you arrived here, I was just like throwing a sub into my guts as fast as possible. And uh, I, I said, you know what? Like just the timing could not be better here. Like we've got, we've got a master's show coming up and we've got the guy calling in from the grounds of Augusta. I said, even if he can only give us a classic radio type hit, like 12 to 17 minutes long or whatever, like take it, take it and run. But I mean, geez, the guy was very generous with his time here. Absolutely. I mean, we're very blessed and fortunate to have had him on. Um, Like you said, the timing couldn't be better as far as, you know, having him down at the master's and, being able to squeeze us in and, and all for that. Jonathan too, right? For yeah. the anniversary of Absolutely. his passing, like great yep. timing and, there. And uh, of course, um, I think the rapport has been established. Next time we'll have, maybe we'll hammer him a little harder on hockey. I know we did leave a bit on the table here, but uh, obviously being sensitive of Mr. Duffy's time. Um, first Gemini Award winner, I believe, to have on uh, the show. Yeah, so true. We'll give, give him that. Well, unless Henny won one, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. fact check on well, that you, one. Well, I feel like you would have done your due, del- due diligence to check out the credentials. Know. 
Yeah, well, I checked out his credentials, but yeah, I mean, uh, can't thank him enough. That was really awesome. We've been looking forward to this for about a month, and it took us all our energy to not spill the beans with you guys or you know hype it up without having it like 1000% on lock well we learned with Tim Peel we learned we learned you know, we learned, we learned so. with Tim Peel and i mean Tim Peel it, it, not no no disrespect to Mr. Peel but like like he he was a big get on on it in its own right you know former NHL official obviously with what had just happened with the hot mic incident just mm. shortly uh, not that long ago apparently um, he doesn't want to be on any more hot mics y- yeah yeah i guess not but i mean i got to give credit to Duthy uh, like you said um we left a lot on the table obviously better to be over prepared mm-hmm. uh, than under prepared imagine if he said well guys i got 10 more minutes what do you want to talk about and we yeah. i mean i'm sure we would have figured it out oh, but yeah. we we were definitely over prepared one of the things i wanted to laugh with Duthy about was um, how our like our conversation between him and I on Twitter even began because it was it was it was a um, a graphic for ESPN which obviously as we know is American um, greatest athlete of all time and it had all the pictures a picture of Tiger a picture of Rafa Nadal a picture you know what I mean like Jordan, Michael Jordan yeah. like LeBron it had pictures of all of the quote unquote goats of their respective sports and Wayne Gretzky wasn't in the graphic. Oh. There was no hockey player at all. It wasn't McDavid or Crosby. It was there was no there was no hockey player. So um, Duthy retweeted the photo and said, "Where's Wayne?" Right. And then I replied to the photo, like to his tweet, and it wasn't even like five seconds later. It was uh, whatever. I replied to it and I said, "It's Tiger James," as in like I thought maybe he was saying. It should be Wayne, but all he was saying so was missing from the graph. Where's yeah. Wayne? Yeah. So I replied to his tweet and said, "It's it's it's Tiger James. Everybody knows. Doesn't that. matter who Wayne's on there or not." Yeah. <laughs> and then he inboxed me, right, and said, "Listen, man, I wouldn't even argue for Wayne. I agree with you 100. percent It's Tiger, but he they- wanted it on record that." That listen, I I I agree with you on the I tiger front. This is what I was trying to point. I was trying to make. I guess, but who? Why? Why would know. he tell that to me? I'm just some fucking schmuck on Twitter. No, like why? Why do? A little more than the schmuck now. Pretty big uh, yeah, deal. yeah. Sounds actually, like it is a pretty deal. big deal, right? I don't know anyone so, who's interviewed James Duffy. Well, I I've been careful about like who who I've told. I'm sure you've told a few people. Like, like I've been maybe one or two. I've told maybe two. I've told maybe a, like I'll say maybe a handful of people that I know I. Can trust not to go blabbing. Not that it would have been a huge deal. Like, let's go. We're overblowing. We've the, learned lessons. We've yeah. learned lessons. But anyways, but anyways, um, yeah. Like the, I made sure to tell the story that, like, hey, listen, I didn't even, I didn't even message him. Yeah. Like other people I've gotten, I've just messaged them out of the blue. Hey, come on the podcast. Some have said yes. Some have said no. Some have not said anything. The majority have have not said anything. Uh, but with uh, with Duffy, it was just so funny because we're sitting there like having a very brief discussion, clarification about what the tweet was about. And I said, "Well, listen, man, while I have while you you're here, come on my podcast. Here's a you know, I sent him a link. I said, here's the link. You can check it out. And um, it it wasn't even that long. Uh, he got back to me and said, "Sure, let's do it up. Let's do it after the Olympics. That was at the end of January. Good guy, uh, local when guy. We chatted with him. So yeah, he is a good guy and a local guy. And you, man, you best believe I'm obviously shooting him a tea bomb about golf this summer." Oh, you you might as well try. You, you just keep shooting shots. I might as well try, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he was great. He gave us a lot. And I feel like we got through every question that we wanted to, at least, like, you know, I know towards the end we were kind of highlighting the important ones um, yeah. and, you know, like the ones we spoke about. And I think those are ones that he doesn't get, always get a chance to talk about. Um, you know, he'll be doing master's hits all week on overdrive and stuff. And, um uh, 
but it's good to to kind of get that content out of him as well. Um, and I couldn't find, you know, I couldn't think of a better person to have uh, for uh, you know a, a number of topics and uh, kind of give us some insight, especially down from the course. Um, so what do we got? Are we are we wrapping this show up or what? Yeah, buddy? man. There's nothing. Well, there's nothing else to. Nothing do. else. I know. Yeah, you're right. What do you? What are we gonna do? I don't think nothing that's gonna be better than no. what we just did. So <laughs> you know what I mean. Let's just, <laughs> let's just wrap this thing up in a bow before we just before we ruin it. Take away from the experience. <laughs> before we ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> People probably turned it off by now anyway. <laughs> God damn, bro. No, honestly, I think the main reason why I want to wrap it up is it's a good length. It's uh, that's what she said. Uh, you know, it's a it's a buck twenty, and like there's just no way that the show can get any better than it just was for the last you know 40, 40 minutes or so. And so. we got a Leaf game coming up. Leafs in Tampa Bay. Yeah, we call huge it a measuring stick match. Huge Leaf game. I mean, these games. I know they they oh, well they are somewhat meaningful in the standings right now, given that there is some. Some jockeying for position right now. I know Florida is a bit ahead, but I mean, these are the games you want your team to show up for. I know we get dusted by the Canadians twice in the last month, but ultimately, I want to see how they show up in these games right and now. We'll lose to them later this week, right? Don't we play them later this week? Sure, chalk up an L. Chalk I, I got to start betting against them, man. When they're when they're playing <laughs> those base Coyotes, Montreal, I I'd be a wealthy man. I'd still be in Jamaica. Don't do that. All right, folks, listen. That is a wrap. Episode ninety-seven. Thanks once again to Mr. James Duffy. You can find us on Twitter at Coleman42 for myself, at Lesko Adam for the man across the bar. And uh, what's what, what, what's what's Duffy's Twitter handle? Uh, at James Duffy TSN, I no, believe. No, at TSN God James damn Duffy. it. All right, folks. Well, listen, that does it for another hot edition of the Pucks and Deep podcast. We're signing off to watch the Leaf game and shoot this podcast out for your ears to consume give us some feedback for once in a while would you tweet us up email us realpuckpod at gmail.com we want to hear from you thanks for tuning in